So this is the Visakha uh, <coughs> Puja, the full moon in May, and the celebration, the remembrance of the three significant events, the enlightenment, the birth, enlightenment, and the final Nibbana of the Lord Buddha. So this is traditional this is our most significant uh, celebration day, Visakha Puja. And I've been absent for the past several years uh, because of invitations to Thailand to celebrate Visakha Puja there and the, the king's, uh, king of Thailand's 60th reign and then the following year his, his uh, 80th birthday. So when we we contemplate the the Lord Buddha, then we we this is coming from tradition, so that the it traces its its origin to the ascetic Gautama, and uh, in India two thousand five hundred fifty two years ago, uh, Prince Siddhartha then became the ascetic Gautama eventually became the Buddha who established the Four Noble Truths, the, the significant teaching, the way to enlightenment that has been carried on to the, this present moment. So this is uh, something that we celebrate and reflect upon and this ability to reflect that we have as human beings is is not a kind of it's not believing or buying into a some kind of party line, but it's developing a, this reflective state, contemplation or reflection on uh, time, on impermanence, uh, on the conditioned realm. We begin to notice the conditioned realm in a different way, rather than just being. Uh, our conditions being reinforced by it, we began to transcend the conditioned realm by reflecting on it. Now this, this, uh, we're taking our refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, so we have Bhutang Sarnangachami, Tamang Sarnangachami, Sankang Sarnangachami as our refuge. And so this is a refuge not in in a tradition or in a uh, person or a, a sage of the past, but it is a reminder, a refuge of awakened awareness. 
here and now, seeing things as they are. <clears throat> so, when we say Bhutanksarnangachami, it doesn't mean we take refuge in a, in the memory of somebody who lived 2,552 years ago in India. But also, at the same time, we begin to uh, feel a sense of gratitude to the uh, to the historical sage, uh, the Buddha, the enlightened one, because it's through his wisdom and insight that we are able to have this marvelous tool, this this form, this teaching, which can take us to freedom from liberation from the death-bound conditions that otherwise we are merely um, helplessly enslaved, caught into, stuck into the spider's web. <clears throat> so then on Visakha Puja, the, the birth, now we've all been born, and that's why we're sitting here uh, at this time here and now, sitting, breathing, feeling, uh, because of, we were born. And then we all know we're going to die sometime in the future. Death is in the future for all of us. And then there's the enlightenment. So these are the three significant events in, in our lives. The birth, the enlightenment, and the death of the body. So the birth of the body has taken place in the past. That's the past. And then the enlightenment is now, death of the body is in the future. So this is reflecting on the way it is at this very moment. <laughs> now in enlightenment then isn't, uh, you know, when we, when we try to conceive enlightenment as a, uh, some kind of uh, special state or something to attain. Remember that we're always operating from a conditioned mind. The, the conditioning of the mind, the language, the thought process, the way we perceive things, our own karmic tendencies, uh, cultural interpretations and whatnot affect uh, this word enlightenment. But if uh, enlightenment is here and now, then it's, it's not about conditioned phenomena, it's, it's about the awakened, awakening of an individual in the present. And so there's always significant uh, uh, reflection that Bhutto or Buddha is awakened consciousness in the present. It's not about me or you or an ancient sage in the past or uh, great monks still living in, in Thailand or Sri Lanka or wherever, but it's about an individual, conscious human individual awakening to the way it is, the Dhamma. Now, even though this is comprehensible, we can get the idea of it, to actually recognize this, realize this, is quite a task because of the uh, powerful conditioning that we have. Uh, 
we're very conditioned creatures and uh, the cultural conditioning we have the habits uh, the prejudices the biases the ideals the views and opinions uh, this is a sense realm so we're we're in this state of continuous relentless inexorable sensitivity so that this realm that we live in now that we're experiencing now through this body and its senses is like this it's a sense realm that if we don't understand if we don't awaken our consciousness then we're merely reacting to the sensory impingement that we receive we're just caught in in habitual reaction, reaction patterns, likes, dislikes, um, seeking happiness, running away from pain, wanting safety, fearing chaos, war, uh, wanting to disappear, wanting to, to annihilate ourselves, or wanting to find a place, a secure place where we, we feel safe and secure all the time. So the the conditioned realm is like this. It's a we reflect on it in vipassana meditation. We're always paying attention to the feelings we're having or the uh, physical sensations, uh, the experiences through the senses, the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, through the memory, the thoughts, the emotional habits that we experience here and now. So. Awakening to that doesn't mean uh, anything more than paying attention to it. Recognizing it's like this. All conditions are impermanent. All conditions are not self. All conditions are inevitably unsatisfactory. There's no condition that can give us any kind of permanent satisfaction. So we reflect on anicca, dukkha, nata. Now this is awakening and, develop, and cultivating wisdom so that when the inevitable death of the body happens, we, it's just the nature of things. It's no longer me, me dying. Or it's, it's not, you know, when, we, when I look at death, or perceive death from the conditioning of my mind is one thing. When I see see myself always in terms of my physical body and uh, ex- and interpret my life experience always from the sense of me as a person, as a physical being, then there's always this, uh, what, what happens? You know, you can observe yourself, this sense of fear, anxiety, wonder, doubt, worry about what happens when you die. What happens when somebody dies? What, where will I go when I die? Now that's the conditioned person, personality. That's the Sakaya Ditti, Tilabhata Baramasa. Or the fetters. The conditioning process based on the sense of a, uh, an assumed permanent self identified with a physical body. And so the Buddha is awakened, awakened to that 
illusion of a, of a permanent self as conditioned, a conditioned permanent self that you acquire through after you're born and you acquire all this sense of your, your identity with the physical body, with the, the family, the parents, the culture, the ethnic background, the language we learn, the good and bad qualities of any culture, social conditioning, whatever. We acquire all that. So, with awareness, we're actually awakening, going to what is true here and now, reality here and now, rather than the can, uh, always interpreting uh, experience through the conditioning of the mind. Now that might sound simple enough, but to do that is a continuous, has takes a continuous determination because uh, this realm, this sense realm we live in is a very powerful one, as you well know. <coughs> to have a human body is, for one thing, a very uh, ongoing uh, experience of discomfort, pain, aging and whatnot. We all to deal with hunger, with thirst, with fatigue, uh, then with illness, with sickness, with pain, problems of age, the sensory impingement that we have to put up with for a lifetime, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, And the only way that we can get any perspective on that is through this sati sampachanya or mindfulness, clear comprehension, understanding. Satipanya or wisdom, discerning. Discerning, knowing that the condition, condition is like this and the unconditioned is this. So when we talk about Wisdom, in terms of panya or Buddhist wisdom, it's not having wise thoughts uh, about how things should be or making philosophical statements about the nature of existence, but it, it's discerning, an ability to discern, to know in the present moment with, uh, through the limitation of a physical body and the senses and the conditioning of the mind. Now the only way one can ever really do that is through sati sampachanya, and these are the Pali words, or mindfulness, awakened attention, reflecting on the way it is, observing. Uh, so in wisdom we we know we we know on a deep level, not just uh, you know recite uh, Buddhist uh, wise Buddhist teaching, but we actually know for ourselves through insight. All conditions are impermanent. Now it's easy enough to say that or even to believe in it. It uh, seems like common sense. Uh, of course, uh, everything is impermanent. But it's not just grasping that phrase or that, that idea of impermanence. It's opening to impermanence, embracing impermanence, recognizing impermanence like this. Whatever you're feeling, pleasurable, 
painful or neutral at this moment, when you awaken, when you observe, then you can see it is changing. Or whatever thoughts, memories, emotions, habits, whatever you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, all mental activity, all psychic phenomena, everything that you can imagine and create, you know, with good, bad, heaven, hell, all in between those two extremes, all conditions are impermanent. So this this was discerning all conditioned phenomena then, whether it's subtle, or refined, or coarse, is not the issue anymore. It's not a quality. It's a characteristic. So if you can see the importance of this reflection, of, of observing, until you know this, not from just um, the kind of uh, grasping the idea of impermanence, but from insight or insight knowledge. Jnana dasana, it's a, it's a profound kind of gut knowledge or insight into, uh, into this. It's not just an intellectual grasping of the idea, Buddhist ideas. Now, even though this seems simple enough, it, it is a, you know, a lifetime reminder. Like it's the, take continuous determination to remember this because it's so easy to be carried away by the, the problems of the world, by fears and resentments and greed, hatred, delusion in all its various forms the habits we have, the vipaka karma, or the conditions that arise in the present, <clears throat> uh, can easily uh, overwhelm us if we're, if, you know, if we're not continuously aware, watching, observing. So in, uh, you know, one thing about in the monastic form, it is a convention for this watching. That's its purpose, is, is to help, to, to give us a, a uh, simple convention that will uh, help us to reflect, because it's much more difficult when we, when we operate from just the modern life and the fashions of the time and the and the, all the responsibilities and cares of the world. Now notice that the the uh, Samana life is its purpose is for uh, it's a vehicle for uh, to live with in order to continuously remind ourselves. This look you know, like your own robe when you this this color for in instance, always rem as soon as I see this color, whether it's on a monk or, or, or even on a fashion model or wherever, it reminds me. <laughs> it gets so, you know, that's how we're conditioned, isn't it? Just see this color uh, reminds one of the uh, monastic form. 
or the the samana as a as a form as an archetype shaven head robe but not as a personal attachment not as a as an identity uh, that one uh, compounds with one's likes, dislikes, uh, approving or disapproving attachments, fears and desires. It is a convention and its purpose is to simplify our lives so that we can cultivate uh, awareness in a, con- in a continuous way continuously reminding ourselves all conditions are impermanent. Continuously remembering enlightenment here and now, awareness here and now, the reality of Dhamma here and now, the real and the condition that changes according to other conditions. So the reality here and now is awareness itself. That's the gate, that's the door to the deathless or reality here and now. It's not a a belief or a concept or a, a theory. It's a fact. It's reality now that we recognize through letting go of the conditions that we find ourselves attached to. So in the, say, this letting go then, we begin to recognize the suffering we create by always being attached to some, to a condition. No matter if it's a good condition or a bad one, you know, bad one is certainly more suffering than attachment to a good one. So if you're going to attach to good condition. But at the end of the day, it's detachment, letting go even of the good conditions, which is a kind of total surrender. Uh, so it, it is a total surrender to the deathless. And that can be very frightening to any, to our emotional life. Because when our identity depends on grasping and getting and holding and believing, uh, <clears throat> identifying, then when we, we, we think once we let go of all that, then we're nothing. We're just going to become nothing. Disappear into a void of nothingness, which can be rather a frightening perception for the ego, for the sense of oneself worth. So, but then recognize that this is the path to the deathless. This is the deathless reality rather than a void of nothingness or an annihilation of anything. And to really comprehend, apprehend the deathless we, uh, that only is possible through letting go of the death-bound conditions. So the death-bound conditions are like this. Physical body, death-bound. Uh, thoughts, death-bound. Emotions, death-bound. Psychic uh, memories, death-bound. 
ability to remember, memories of the past, worries about the future, all forms of greed, hatred, and delusion, all qualities, whether subtle and refined or coarse, good, bad, right, wrong, true, false, everything, anything you can think. It's all about death. The conditioned realm is about death. And that, and that's not, this is about a reflection, it's not a condemnation of conditioned phenomena. But it's discerning that attaching to death-bound conditions is very, it creates this, uh, it reinforces the habits of a self, of an ego, identity with the body, Death is, uh, you know, for the ego is, uh, you know, it's the unknown, uncertain. What happens, what will happen to me when I die? Uh, that kind of thing, people ask, you know. Hopefully, you know, some people think maybe I'll just disappear, you know, vanish into thin air. No more problems, suicide, finish, finish it off. Or then the possibility of uh, being going to hell or heaven or uh, some realm in between. Reincarnation, rebirth. But all these are perceptions in the here and now, isn't it? Death right now. Just the word itself is a perception in my mind. So I think the word death And, and I can observe that, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, I've used this word so much that it doesn't have much of an effect anymore. <laughs> but if, if you've never really reflected on the power of that particular word, how it affects you emotionally. You know, in, in terms of my death, of this body, you know, is the unknown. I don't know what it's like to die and not have a body. Because at this point in time, at this moment, the body is here and now. It's sitting here on this seat. It's feeling whatever. It's uh, thinking, remembering, speaking. What will happen to me when I die? Where will I go? I've been a good monk for 40 years or more. I should get rewarded for that. And you know, if one thinks in terms of the ego. <clears throat> or, <laughs> uh, maybe uh, I'll have to, you know, for past bad karma, I'm, uh, I'll have to pay a price for uh, Something or other. I can always imagine some kind of terrible possibility of after some terrible punishment after I die. Because my personality is conditioned in that way. I'm brought up as a Christian in my generation. That's the cultural conditioning is about reward and punishment. Rewarded for being a good boy punished for being a bad one. 
So that's very much the that's that's how the ego is formed, isn't it? it one uh, has one sense of self-worth through this conditioning process, through the rewards and punishments of parents, of teachers, societies, religion. Now, awakened consciousness is is outside the cultural context. It's not about culture anymore. It's not about heaven and hell, right and wrong, good or bad, reward and punishment. And it's here and now, and it's recognizable, but in order to recognize then we we let go of the condition. It's as simple as that. So the teaching of the Four Noble Truths is probably one of the most profound teachings ever created by any human being. This is my opinion. Um, but for me, this is a, this is a particular teaching of the Four Noble Truths is a is truly profound and wise because it does work. It's not theoretical, it's not idealistic, it's not philosophical. It's based on a common experience that all of us can relate to suffering. Suffering is the common bond that we all experience as human beings. This is not some kind of esoteric uh, kind of experience, you know, that only only a few have. It's a it's the common ground for every single human being, or all creatures, in fact. Animals, butterflies, worms, fish, and whatnot. Suffering. This is a fear realm. Just look around you and observe. Uh, nature is a uh, you know, it's all about fear, survival, um, survival of the fittest, getting something to eat, procreating the species, uh, protecting yourself from harm. And that's how the, that this realm we're living in is like this. The human form is a form just like any other creature. That if we don't awaken, if we don't really awaken consciousness to observe, then we operate in the same, in the fear realm. The, the future is frightening. Maybe, will I be rewarded or punished when I die? <clears throat> now contemplating this is just suddenly listening. Listening to fear. Your own fear or doubt or anxiety or worry or uh, greed or lust, doubt, confusion, whatever mental state you're experiencing, it's the willingness to recognize it's like this. Feeling confused, feeling uncertain, feeling depressed, feeling uh, angry, resentful, jealous, envious. Greedy, hungry, thirsty, 
whatever, whatever, whether it's a physical, emotional, mental, that which observes, that which knows, that which observes, that's Bhutto, that's Buddha. The ability to reflect and observe the way it is. It's not judging. It's not a, a judgmental ability. It's not saying it's right or wrong, but it is what it is. Or, and so when we use this, it is what it is. It's merely a, a use of language which helps us to look at something that before we, we, we would judge usually. How many of you find that, you know, we, we tend to, to judge ourselves? So when we have a, a bad, selfish, mean thought, we think that's a bad, selfish, mean thought, unworthy of a Buddhist monk of 43 years. That's a judgment, isn't it? That bad thought. is, uh, uh, you know, bad. The word bad itself is a quality of a condition. So we create that word bad and project it onto something, maybe a thought that we just had in the present. Well, that's compounding, isn't it? It's, it's not letting go. It's merely making a value judgment about the quality of a thought or a memory that we that might arise in the present. And it's not that it's wrong, and not condemning thinking or feeling or judging or criticizing, but put, getting a perspective on it so we're no longer just helplessly enslaved in that dualistic mess where you just go back and forth uh, out of ignorance and, and habit. One is just caught in, the, in that uh, kind of going between one extreme to the next. But as we awaken to it, then it is what it is. Now, I personally have found that quite difficult because I've got a very critical mind, uh, very judgmental tendencies. So, I mean, it's, it's not, a, you know, and it's so easy, it seems so right, in fact, so right to, to think, to, to uh, feel... Uh, a bad thought I shouldn't have. It's, it's just bad and I don't want to have thoughts like that. And uh, so it's, and it's right. It's absolutely right. You shouldn't. Good monks shouldn't think bad thoughts like that, according to the ideal. But in awakened attention, in awareness, it's no longer seeing it from that perspective of a self, but from the perspective of Puto Tamo Sankho or the, the Buddha knowing the Dhamma. The Buddha knows all conditions are Anicca Dukkanata. Now, I, when, when there's mindfulness, I, I, you know, I can't claim to be the Buddha. And if I do, I'm not. You know, that's a sign I'm off the track, really. <laughs> I'm not the Buddha in, in that way. But refuge in Buddha, when we chant Bhutang Sangachami, it's not just ceremonial uh, verbiage, is it? It's, uh, it's uh, taking refuge in awareness here and now.
Now this is, this is an encouragement for you to, to trust that, to, to, uh, realize that in yourself, you know, and not from thinking, but from recognizing. Not through trying to figure out what it is, through, through, you know, reading the scriptures or, or questioning whether uh, Ajahn Sumedho knows what he's talking about or not, but the ability that one has in the present to observe, be the puto. Being this is not claiming one is anything. Because it's not about personal ability. It's not about memory, identity with the body, um, with with my past as a person, with my habits. But it's the reality of awakened consciousness that's possible for every single one of us in the present moment. So that, when you talk about enlightenment, and then the death, when we talk about the death of the Buddha, does the Buddha die? And so on a conventional level we say, Visaka Puja is uh, the remembrance, the memorial celebration of the Buddha's birth, enlightenment, and do we celebrate the Buddha's death? That doesn't sound quite right. <laughs> the Buddha died, great, or... <laughs> and that, because the words sound like don't make sense anymore on that way. They uh, uh, attained parinibbana. Well, that's a kind of euphemism. Words are hopeless on this level, really, because they, the, the sage, the the Lord Buddha of the past, the physical body died. Just like all bodies will die. You know, all the living bodies now will eventually die. Uh, the Lord Buddha's body was no different. It was a human body. And it died. But when we say the Buddha died, that's not, that doesn't quite fit. So we say, Attain parinibbana, but is that, is that an attainment, parinibbana, or this is where we give up trying to figure this out because death is the unknown at this point. But the physical body dies. Now the teaching of the Lord Buddha then has been carried forth through the tradition he established. So that's the value of a tradition. It's a, it's a vehicle for, for carrying forth the, the teaching of the Four Noble Truths. Otherwise, it, you know, if it, if, it, if it hadn't established a tradition, uh, then uh, like Bajeka Buddhas or enlightened individuals of the past are forgotten usually. You know, they haven't established a tradition, so maybe no one ever knew. How many enlightened human beings have existed? You know, nobody knows. Now, in uh, this particular uh, religious tradition, Buddhist tradition, then we, we trace our 
lineage too, the Lord Buddha, the sage in India, 2,552 years ago. And that, and then the, the teaching of the, uh, who established the, the, uh, the teaching for this age, the Four Noble Truths, based on suffering. Because obviously, this was the only thing we could learn from, was from suffering. We, we tend to, we, we, you know, if we, if we don't use this suffering, awaken to it, then we, we merely tend to, you know, our, to react to it, become frightened by it, try to ignore it, uh, deny it. So this is an age also where ignoring and denying is, uh, is, uh, is the, uh, way that people live their lives. And you can see the problems now of the modern society, the, the kind of collapse of the capitalism, communism, all the best intended uh, theories and ideas of humanity eventually fall apart because they're not based on wisdom but on human greed, ignorance, Ideals may be at their best, but not on understanding through wisdom. So this is our opportunity uh, in this, you know, at this time when we come here, Dhammavati for this Bisaka Puja, uh, to remember this. What are we here for? Is for awakened, remind ourselves to be awake, attentive, to begin to develop a confidence in awakened awareness. Not through the ego, not through trying, I'm, uh, you know, trying to convince yourself you're an awakened person. But to getting to trust just the simplicity of attentiveness in the present. Recognizing it. It's just this, it's nothing, it's no thing at all, in fact. You can't find it as a thing, but you can recognize reality. That that reality includes the conditions of this present moment. It's not a, a rejection of a condition or a judgment. It includes whatever you're feeling, you know, thinking, at this very moment. It's not about getting rid of, denying, uh, ignoring, rejecting, but awakening and realizing, recognizing this reality that these conditions operate in. They arise and cease, they come and go according to other conditions. Now I find the parinibbana of the Buddha as I get uh, older, you know, suddenly I find my my interest in these uh, reclining Buddhas increasing. In my early years, at, I was only interested in the sitting ones.
because they, you know as you get older you 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 know the uh, the 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 perception of death uh, seems closer you know because you're physically you know you each day is a day closer to death when you when you contemplate it so when i wake up and i think a day yesterday's gone now i'm one day closer to death now that might sound morbid <laughs> but it's not it's merely recognizing that that's the way it is i don't one doesn't get younger uh, one gets older and and that is that's the natural flow of condition it's not about uh, it's good or bad it, it's just the way it is also you 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 know having spent so many years in as a buddhist monk you know you had a had a over 40 years to to keep reminding myself so that you know the um, the the I find now that the the condition realm is a you know one one sees it much more kind of equanimously and not not through through fascination or aversion or or interest even it is what it is but it's not it's not uh, judging it no, well even though that's still possible to judge it's not no longer necessary to to uh, endlessly criticize or or uh, you know think about things one is much more trusting in the attentiveness of the present the attention the recognition of this this continuity of awareness self-sustaining awareness is not a creation out of some idea i have about getting something or attaining something and that's to let go of all that wish to get or get rid of or control or attain to to relax into the unconditioned reality of the present so at this time in history uh, this you feel i feel a, an enormous uh, gratitude to the lord buddha <clears throat> who on this very day full moon uh, 2,552 years ago was born as uh, Prince Siddhartha then he became the um, enlightened one and then the physical body died and so this is uh, this gratitude is is uh, is a way of of uh, creating a, a sense of of joy in one's life like this gatanyu gatavati gratitude is a beautiful uh development through reflection through remembering uh the the compassion of the lord buddha or of lungpo cha a teacher especially the the wise teacher that uh, uh that I lived with in Thailand. Now he was a very wise 
monk who passed away. And, and so then, reflecting on uh, my memories of Lung Po Cha, this katanyu, this gratitude. Now that is remembering. It's not clinging to some idea of, of the Lord Buddha of the past or of Lung Po Cha, but it's using those perceptions for cultivating a way that, that brings happiness and joy into one's mind in the present moment. So, Katanyu Gatawaiti is a, or the gratitude is translated into English. It, it doesn't just happen. It, it takes a, a determination to reflect, such as today, Visaka Puja is a way of expressing this gratitude to the Lord Buddha for his compassion, for living his life and and the compassion he had in in establishing <clears throat> this convention so that we can benefit from it 2,552 years later. I think that's amazing. There's not many conventions that old that still exist at this time. I wonder what was happening here Amravati, 2,552 years. <laughs> and now, 552 years later, there's this Buddhist monastery where this teaching and reflection on the birth, enlightenment, and the Parinibbana of the sage, the Lord Buddha of India 2,552 years ago, and we feel this or Gratitude. Now just notice this katanyu is, is like this. It's a, it's a beautiful feeling. It's not exciting. It isn't, you know, kind of wow, gee whiz kind of feeling. It's like this. It's peaceful. It's calming. It, it gives us a, a balance, emotional balance. Uh, and so this is this is um, in our, in the Mina Punya chanting and all that is, is sharing the, the benefits of our life with our teachers, parents. All these kind of uh, reflections are to develop, you know, this sense of gratitude, uh, good qualities that prepare us to awaken, that are a foundation for awakening. So we're not operating from the desire to attain something, get something, because that comes out of the ego, desire to get, to become, to attain, or to get rid of. So this is a, a day for remembering this, for celebration, a sense of gratitude. And uh, so I offer this as a reflection for this evening. <laughs>